And we continue our series of Return to Learn here at Minnesota State University. What does a comprehensive state university look like in a post-pandemic world? There's a lot of unknowns as we are planning for fall and beyond. And so there's been an effort called Maverick Return to Learn planning and it identifies a number of areas of what we're going to be looking at when we return back to campus and with me today I have a vice president for finance here at Minnesota State University Rick Straka who's going to talk about financial return and what things are looking like good morning Rick good morning Karen how are you today I'm doing great well things have certainly changed since we ended spring semester that all ended different and now we're talking about return to learn and there's a committee, and you're you're one of the people on the committee that's looking back, return to learn. What is your part and your role as the vice president for finance? Well, I do sit on the advisory committee, which is an overall committee that looks at the work and reviews the work of nine separate work teams. In addition, um, I'm co-chairing um, the, the employee return to work um, plan, as well as uh, look, re-chairing the finance plan. Okay, so a couple different things, and we've been talking a lot with about students returning to campus, and you mentioned you are dealing with employees returning to campus. What are some of the, the strategies that we're looking at in terms of coming back for fall? Because I know a lot of people are not on campus yet. I've been on here pretty much because KMSU, we've been really the only ones in the building, but pretty much it's still kind of a ghost town around here. Right. We're really looking at a phased approach to bring our employees back to campus, and it's really starting with um, phase one is really the people who've already been here. A number of our facilities areas, uh, the vast majority of our facilities employees have been on campus the entire time. Um, what we're looking at doing is supporting, number one, as we look at our FlexSync technology and doing professional development and training for our professors so that what we're planning to do is hopefully have classes that would have students in the classes that we would follow social distance guidelines in our classes, which reduces our um, capacity. And then we would also have a combination of students who could join that class online. In addition, if there were a faculty member who had some risk factors, they could teach online and still have people in the class. So the first phase will be bringing back people to support uh, the training in, in that technology for how we'll be approaching instruction for fall. And then as we get closer to bringing our students back on campus in mid-August, then we'll really need to bring back those those employees who interact uh, with our students. So the phase two will really be bringing back those uh, stu- those faculty and staff who, who are supporting our students um, in, in a face-to-face manner. And then in a final stage, we'll be looking at returning the, the rest of employees to campus um, as uh, the governor's executive order and as the Minnesota Department of Health um, guidelines allow. Now, Rick, you mentioned training, support staff to train for technology. Now, a lot of that I know has been done because faculty had to learn how to teach online and that sort of thing. So is there still more to that training? I mean, are they pretty much in line and sync what it's going to be like for fall or have are there some new techniques or things we might be looking at for fall that isn't already been in place since spring semester? Right. It's really the new techniques. In spring semester, was fully online. So our faculty were remote and all of our students were remote. What we're looking back as we bring back to campus this fall, we still want to have as much uh, face-to-face as we can safely have 
and we want to have students in the classroom. So the teachers will be, the faculty members will be instructing in a number of our courses. About 70% of our courses, will, we're hoping, will still have some face-to-face -to -face touch. And, and the faculty then will have to use technology in the classroom where they can um, teach both um, to the students who are sitting in the classroom as well as teaching remotely. So there's some really unique things about that blend, that hybrid blend of having some people face-to-face -face and some people via technology that's a little bit different than teaching just straight um, online remote technology. Is all that training happening right now as we speak or is there special sessions coming up? Yeah, it, it, it's ongoing right now, uh, and, and as well as all of the work, we've got a, a, a couple of classrooms that are already in order, and we're working on, IT folks are, are working on best practices as we get in those classrooms and creating the training materials, uh, and then we'll move forward and outfit uh, the rest of our classrooms, as many as we can, to support that kind of technology and that kind of approach, a blended approach to our instruction. The other big part of your job, of course, is finance, because you're the mm -hmm. vice president for finance. And so let me ask you this. How are things looking financially? I know Minnesota State was probably in better shape than some other universities or colleges in the system. And so now, of course, with there was no students in the dorms or the residence halls, so you don't have that income. How are things looking for us? Well, we're really hoping to to open the fall with uh, students in the classroom. The current guidance we have from the Minnesota Department of Health allows us to treat two students in, in a residence hall as a family unit, and we've got contingency plans in, in case any of our students um, test positive, need to isolate, and, and so forth. We've got um, some pretty robust plans of how we would deal with that, but right now we're hoping to uh, really planning on opening the semester with a pretty residential uh, experience in mind. Therefore, we would have um, some impact to our budget, but um, we're in good enough shape. We've built enough reserve um, over the years that we can, we can handle that. Um, clearly, um, we'll be looking at other contingency plans as well, and we stress-tested our budget uh, in a number of scenarios. Uh, we do think that we will certainly see some impact. We would love to have our full cohort of international students here, but uh, given uh, the worldwide situation with borders and uh, uh, ability to get visas and so forth, we certainly believe we'll have some impact on a, especially our freshman class of our new entering class of, of international students will have an impact on our enrollment. Um, otherwise, we're seeing um, fairly strong enrollment both in our new uh, entering classes and, and our returning people uh, who've really stated a preference that they would like to have this, the residential face-to-face -face, uh, experience. Um, so that's how we're planning to open right now. So though we may see some enrollment decline and we may see some tuition impact, it's something that I think we can handle within our, within our current budget. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get into next year. We'll see what the full impact is and, um, and then we'll plan for the future and, and we'll, make, uh, we'll make adjustments accordingly. At this point, has there been any change in tuition, uh, books, fees, that sort of things, or even residence hall uh, costs, that sort of thing for students, or has that remained unchanged? Uh, tuition has been frozen. At the June board meeting, our, our board of trustees decided um, in recognition of the, the unique financial situation surrounding um, the, in the entire pandemic that recognizing that we needed to do something and so we did freeze our undergraduate tuition um, 
for the fall. It, we will be looking at a 3% increase in, in the spring um, as we move forward. Um, and there'll be some slight inflationary increases for uh, residence halls and, and for student activities as well. But, uh, you know, really well within the cost of inflation right now. Was that plan before all this happened or was that something that occurred after well, the COVID? Well, actually, we, we plan our, our budgeting is all done on a two-year biennial cycle, and it goes along with the state of Minnesota. And we often then have two-year uh, bargaining agreements that go with that. So uh, we're, we're entering the second year of the biennium. Um, we, we've had our two-year biennial operating budgets, and we've been planning those um, 3% increases. Uh, we've really been in, a, in planning for those for, for two-plus years right now. Do you anticipate then we'll have to relook at the budget depending on how things come back in the fall to see if there will be increases in tuition and other costs? Uh, I don't see any more increases in tuition, Karen, in the next year. Uh, I really, the next big look we'll have at tuition will be part of the overall, um, it'll, it's, it'll be an odd year again next year, 2021, which means the state of Minnesota legislature will be in session and looking at the next biennial operating budget beginning uh, July 1st of 2021. And depending on what happens with uh, the state budget, and the November forecast and then and then the February forecast actually kind of sets the checkbook for the state of Minnesota. Um, depending on how that goes, then we'll have a, a long discussion over the next year of, of what we might think we would do with tuition for the following years. But I don't see any uh, changes or increases to tuition happening mid-year next year beyond the planned um, 3% increase in spring. Okay, question about bonding bill. This year was a bonding bill year in the legislature. Of course, uh, COVID kind of derailed a lot of that. What is happening with that in terms of what MSU wanted and needed, and are we going to get what we wanted, or what are where are we at with that? Well, as it stands with the state legislature right now, they were not able to come to agreement on a bonding bill. So there's no bonding process uh, happening at the moment. Uh, we were very hopeful that we would get uh, planning money for uh, to start a, a six-year, uh, three-biennial cycle to replace Armstrong Hall on campus. Um, and the first part of that would be um, the planning money to go through schematic um, and design development and, and followed up by contract documents. Um, and uh, that's on hold right now. Um, in addition, we were looking at, um, as part of that overall plan for the university, in which we would replace Armstrong with a, actually a smaller building looking at our space needs moving forward. Um, and that's on hold right now. So we'll be waiting to see what the legislature does, whether they uh, get back together in another special session this summer and, and are able to do that. If not, we're hopeful then that the legislature would take that on uh, next spring as, as they look at that issue. And, and a pretty major, I think it's going to be a pretty major session trying to balance the state budget um, when the legislature gets back for a, a full session next uh, January, February. Does the university consider that a big setback, the fact that if we don't get that money for Armstrong Hall, is that going to significantly set us back in terms of timeline and, and what the needs are? Well, clearly it will it will delay the timeline a little bit, so maybe a, a year or two, depending on, uh, again, wh how, the bond, how future bonding bills might come out. Um, certainly, um, we, we were hopeful uh, as we moved into this session that we might get funding to do that. 
Um, and the difficult part for that is uh, Armstrong is a very old building, and we're trying to make sure that we put enough money into that building uh, to keep it operational and, until uh, it gets to the end of its useful life. And so we'll just we'll continue to review what we may need to do to put some additional uh, band-aids on that building uh, and its HVAC system and other, you know, infrastructure uh, to make sure it's a good, um, safe and, and dry and, and warm and then cool in the summer building um, to, get it to, uh, to get it to the end of its life. Now, as far as students coming back, uh, student workers, will they be welcome back on campus? And a lot of students depend on university jobs, for example, to pay maybe their tuition, their fees, their books, etc. How do you think that is going to be impacted in terms of available jobs? Is that going to obviously change at all? Well, it's, it's, that's part of the planning that the return to work plans are doing. Uh, part of each department is doing a, a readiness and return to learn um, um, questionnaire and, and asking some questions. Part of that is going to be the physical, uh, the physical space in which student workers work. Um, and we need to make sure that we can maintain our six feet social distance in those work areas. Um, and so some areas will be able to um, fit the student workers and the staff that they're having will fit in really well, that they had workstations where that would have been the case. Other places where we had students sharing workstations and doing some other things, um, departments are going to have to take a look at uh, whether some of the work that they uh, had students do face-to-face and in the office, whether they can do some of that work remotely, or whether we can look more at making sure that we're staggering shifts so that we don't have people uh, within that six-foot area um, as we move forward, and, and quite honestly, Karen, we're we're doing some of those same questions in in some of our more uh, you know highly dense um, full time employee work areas, looking at whether we need to um, stagger shifts or continue to have some people work remotely so that we can keep our social distance um, in the workplace, and and that's not unlike what you know innumerable or and almost every uh, business is looking at. Um, in the community and in the state and, and really in the nation right now. Are, is the university going to have to spend a lot of money for maybe plexiglass or different types of uh, accommodations, do you believe? Well, we'll, we'll spend some money for sure. Um, we're, we're in the process of pulling together what we think all of those, those physical alterations would be. Uh, the majority of the alterations we're able to do, I think we can do relatively inexpensively and move forward. And we start with the basic concept of can we rearrange our workspace, workspaces and can we rearrange our furniture to get to the six-foot social distancing so that we don't have to do physical alterations of the building. Um, and then we look at what kind of temporary things we can do and move on from there. So there are a number of approaches that we'll look at, but certainly there will be areas where we'll be looking at some plexiglass and some other kinds of physical barriers as well. We're talking with Rick Strock of the Vice President for Finance and Administration here at Minnesota State University about the return to learn coming back to campus this fall. Another question I have for you, Rick, is I know some of the international students, we expect a lot of them, maybe a lot fewer of them because of the situation, maybe travel restrictions, etc. Some of them have been saying that they're not able to survive, they need extra finances, et cetera. Has the university been assisting them and other students who maybe aren't able to come up with funds for whether it's rent or, or other sure. types of uh, issues? 
That's certainly something we've been we've been very concerned about, and and we've been in discussions, especially our provost Matt Cecil and and our dean of global studies uh, Anna Anna Dalman have have been working very closely with the international students. We we have created a, a new um, emergency grant fund where we raised and have come up with one hundred and sixty five thousand uh, dollars to help support uh, that. Uh, Sodexo um, employed a lot of international students because. Uh, in, in, in a number of cases, in most cases, an international student comes over with a visa that doesn't allow them to get an off-campus job. And, and our dining service has been one of the one of the areas where they were able to do that. Um, where we, um, with our students who had worked for Sodexo, we did work in a, in a situation that we we kept meals up for those students. We offered a meal a day, uh, partnered with Sodexo and able to get that done and feed people. We've been working with our local resources and food banks in order to make sure that students are connected uh, to where they have food. Uh, rent is a, is a very difficult situation right now. Um, if you think of 1,000 students and then maybe $500 a month, um, you know, that's $500,000 yeah. a month. Um, that's not sustainable that we could think we could pay for our students' rent. But if we look nationally, I believe it was a, a, a a national newspaper just reported last week that over one-third of the United States people who rent their uh, lodging uh, did not pay their their June rent, or maybe it was didn't pay the May rent. I might be a month off, but that's a significant problem across the country right now. Is is affordability of housing and, and rentals? But those are all things we're we're working with our international students to do. Um, our library worked on a documentation project, and the university put money in to fund uh, work for a number of international students to at least get them some hours and some spending money. So we added um, over 100 uh, summer jobs for international students. So we're trying to do what we can. I'm sure we're not um, meeting every student's every need, but we're sure working with them to see where we can help and, and what we can do that's feasible for the university to make sure that we can help them. Uh, just, it's a very difficult situation for a number of these students who um, their families are, are, are uh, facing uh, financial issues just like families in the United States and and they're here and they're not able to return with closed borders and 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 travel difficulties um you know it can be a pretty uh, strange and isolated and scary situation for a, a 18 to 25 year old international student to be in a foreign country and um and and you know to be going through a pandemic like this is tough for all of us, but imagine doing it without your support systems. So we're working with that group as best we can to make sure we can meet their critical needs. Are there still more fundraising activities going? I mean, I'm in here over here with the university development, and I know they're always raising funds, but are, is there still more fundraising for the emergency funds that are needed for whether it's international or all students? That that's absolutely uh, a, an ongoing need, and, and in fact, and just. In the last year or two, uh, even in our campus campaign, uh, we, we certainly have shifted the focus to emergency grants for students being is something that we've, we've asked for support for. I know our development officers are out there doing great work. 
Uh, I know we've had some some significant gifts uh, back in in March or April, right around there. There was a very specific campaign on campus that I that that started on campus and then expanded off campus that I know raised um, sixty five thousand dollars right away, and then I, I believe a recent hundred thousand dollar commitment has been made also. So there are still significant ongoing fundraising uh, efforts to help support our students as we as we roll through this pandemic. Now, you, you talked about Minnesota State has been doing fairly well. Uh, you're, you work, I assume, with the, the, the rest in the system of Minnesota State, which includes many other universities and colleges. Are the rest of them having uh, more troubles than we are, would you say? You know, we're, we're all in this together. Um, uh, certainly, there are some institutions that might be uh, operating on a, a little slimmer margin. Uh, some who've who've already had to um, uh, make some adjustments to their budgets. Um, I, I think we're all trying to stress test our budgets and see exactly what we might need to do to make for uh, adjustments. We've seen what's happened in the private sector, and there uh, there have been significant you know impacts to unemployment, and we've seen the unemployment numbers. It's really, I, I think, going to be incumbent on us in fall to see exactly where the fall works out, whether we're going to be able to um, continue through the whole semester or continue through the entire year. That is our plan right now, but we have contingency plans mm. uh, to be able to pivot as quickly as we can, and that's one of the main reasons uh, we're doing the hybrid instruction model that we're doing is it does allow us the flexibility. If we have to change something, if there is um, guidance that comes from the governor or Minnesota Department of Health that would say we need we need to pull back or we need to shut down again. Uh, we're going to be much more prepared to do that uh, given how we're doing that. But we'll we'll look at our finances at that point in time. I can imagine there are some adjustments we'll need to make to the university budget, but uh, I'm not sure that there's and I'm not going to throw up a financial panic or anything for us right now. These are the days that we have reserves for. Uh, this is the rainy day financially, and so I think we'll have a better idea, it, you know, come fall semester and we see what our final enrollments are, we see what our final adjustments we've had to do uh, to get rid of the, uh, ready for the pandemic and, and uh, what the final results are of what additional staffing, for example, uh, we're looking at some additional staffing to, to make sure that we're getting the deep uh, sanitizing touches that we need to have to all of our facilities. Um, while we have students on campus and faculty and staff on campus. So we know there'll be some additional expenses, too, to make sure that we're keeping the campus as safe and as clean as we possibly can. Um, but I think we're in, you know, we're in as good a shape as we could hope for right now. Um, and, and I'm not seeing any, you know, really immediate crisis. But, but certainly when we get back in the fall, we're going to have to have discussions about what we might have to adjust for future years. It seems everyone I've talked to so far when in doing this series, the word is adaptability, flexibility, fluidity. Your answers tomorrow might be different depending on the, the recommendations that we get. And, and it's just a changing situation and really hard to plan for. It is. Um, it, it, it's a unique situation. But, you know, my friends who, who work for businesses, who own businesses, who own hospitality and so forth, um, you know, it's everybody who's going through this together right now. I don't think anybody's not seeing that kind of level of change and that kind of level of uncertainty. Um, it, it's it's a unique 
a time for our generation. And, and, and so we'll just, we do what we can and, and we deal with the things that we can. Um, and being over athletics, um, a big thing that our athletic coaches uh, strive and, and tell their teams often is, is control the controllables. You, you, you control what you can control and you just adapt and you adjust to the things that you can't control and you keep moving forward and uh, uh, don't dwell on the past learn from it and uh, try to be as flexible and, and ready as you can and prepared as you can. And, and that's how we're facing this as a university. You brought it up, athletics. Are we going to see any football or any games this fall, do you think? As of right now, we're still uh, still planning on, okay. on having seasons. Uh, there are some meetings coming up in the Northern Sun this week. There's also nationally, uh, there's been some news out there. Um, the California state system in Division II schools has, has canceled their fall sports. Um, there are some other places around the country who are talking about it, perhaps talking fall sports moving to spring. But at this point in time, uh, Division II has reduced the number of competitions, mm-hmm. uh, which is primarily a financially based factor, uh, recognizing the impacts of the pandemic on higher ed. But as of right now, we're, we're planning on having competition uh, this fall. Uh, the really important question is going to be, will there be spectators? Yeah. Number one question is, will there be competition? And the follow-up question is, will there be spectators? So those are things that uh, are still out there in the unknown. And Kevin Beisman and his staff are, are working hard uh, with contingency plans for however, however that may play out. Very good. We want to thank you for your time. Rick Straka, Vice President for Finance and Administration here at Minnesota State University. Appreciate all your information and updates on that, and uh, all the best to you the rest of the summer. My pleasure, Karen. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.